Welcome to Future Proof, the marketing podcast from Said Business School, Oxford University, and Kantar, the data insights and consulting company. In each episode, we speak to industry leaders about the big issues in marketing, sharing evidence and inspiration for the future. This episode. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. It was recorded live at Cannes Lions in June 2019. today on Google Beaches, we're recording a special edition of the Future Proof podcast, which is from Kantar and Side Business School, Oxford University. So I'm Jane Osler, Global Head of Media at Kantar. This is Professor Andrew Stephen from Side Business School. And our guest today is Tara Wolpert-Levy from Google, and she is the VP Agency and Brand Solutions. And we're going to be quizzing you on a few... (laughs) Topics of interest, if that's all right with you, Tom. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. Nothing you like more a couple hours off a plane than a quiz. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll make it tough. Um, So we're on this very beautiful beach here on Google Beach today. So let's start with a tough question. Um, (laughs) Are machines going to replace creativity? Straight to the heart of it. Uh, Well, thank you for having me. I'm glad we get to talk about it. And I think the reason that we have the beach here at Cannes is because the focus on creativity is so important, right? I think everyone, academics like yourself, business uh, folks out there like HBR have shown creative to be the overwhelming majority of what makes or breaks the efficacy of an ad campaign. So I think anything that we we can all do to support ongoing creativity is critically important. That's not answering your question, I recognize. <laughs> I'll get to that now, which, right. is, which is the following. I, you know, I don't think machines are going to replace creativity. I don't really think anyone here believes no. that machines are going to take away the power of a big idea or the people who bring them. I do think, though, that what the machines can do is they can provide tremendous tools for further empowering creatives. 
Because if you think about what the, the process has always looked like in terms of gaining insights, really understanding why people do what they do, and then that leading to creative ideation and, and iteration, you know, there are tools that can help make new data and insights available throughout all of that and can help to really sort of streamline some of the process so that creatives are able to do what they do best, which is to take all of that and make it into something genius, uh, which I don't think machines ever will. Okay, and then how do you... I noticed you were quick, by the way, <laughs> to jump on the light. No, no, they definitely won't. <laughs> <laughs> but how do you see Google's role in the creative ecosystem? Um, are you going to be competing with creative agencies directly? Where do you, where do you sit with creative agencies? Uh, we don't, definitely don't see ourselves competing with creative agencies. And, and to be honest, I actually don't even really hear that much from folks anymore. I think that was a concern several years ago. And I think uh, we've been very consistent in saying we could never do what the creatives do in the same way we just sort of described some of the, the, the challenges that are uh, inherent in technology. We're at our core a technology company. Mm -hmm. And I think that is where we see our role in the ecosystem, which is trying to empower creatives to do what they do best with even more data, even more insight, even more value that they can extract from understanding what different customers are doing and how that can contribute to their idea. And by the way, how they can also look quickly in real time on a regular ongoing basis at how their ideas are playing out and be able to use that to you know, continue to improve the ongoing efficacy of their work. And do you think creative agencies are adapting to that more real-time optimization view of the world? Is it like some are doing it well, some aren't doing it quite so well? I, I really do think the, the creative ecosystem is leaned into this. I mean, to your point, there are agencies who've moved faster and, and not as fast. And many times that's also correlated to clients, advertisers who move faster or not as fast. But we see tremendous demand and usage, in particular for some of our insights tools, for uh, brainstorms around how to use technology to improve their process. We see more and more people actually sort of testing and iterating based on what they're seeing and generating their own proprietary insights about what works best on the platforms. So I'm going to, I don't know if I'm coining a term, but let's call it technology-enabled creativity. Okay. So are there some good examples of you know, best practices or agencies or brands, for that matter, who are doing a good job with this and may, maybe not always getting it right, but at least experimenting to the point where sort of tech and data and, and data field insights are really being fused well with the creative process? Yeah, and, and it's, you know, it's interesting because I think the, the, the term we use is actually the, the insights-inspired creativity, which mm -hmm. is sort of to, to exactly hit this point that it's not necessarily different, right? It's right. just sort of amplified based on what's available through technology. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we see a lot of different examples of campaigns that are really working incredibly well. I think we just launched in the U.S. the competition when YouTube works, which is around people who are doing this well and generating results as a function of it. We actually did it with Kantar. And it was fascinating. We saw a couple great examples that came out of that. It was very tough for our judges. One of them was uh, Comcast, who was our Grand Prix winner. They, Comcast and Xfinity had a very clever campaign where they actually literally did real time show the viewer essentially the cost of the video that they were about to see as a way of arguing for making the switch back and forth between providers. It was incredibly compelling. They saw something like 113% lift off that. Uh, and it was a neat example of 
using technology and data to simply amplify what was already there as a big idea. That sounds really exciting it was as great. an example. Is that something that you plan to launch in other countries, do you YouTube think? It works? Yeah. Um, it's already in the UK, and I think we uh, would be very excited to extend to other markets. We, we frankly ran it as a pilot in the US, yeah. and we are committed now to, to making that an annual effort given the success that we saw there. So mm. hopefully we'll see it around the world shortly. Great. So you see your role as kind of supporting and educating and assisting agencies in absolutely, in yeah. Um, so you, you know, your platforms obviously always constantly innovate. What's going on with YouTube? Are there any new things going on there that creatives can get interested in or excited about? Well, there's a number of things. Um, one of the things I'm most excited about right now is the launch of the bumper machine, which sounds very uh, you know, Disney-esque, but actually <laughs> leads to authentic creative brainstorming and results. And what that does is, uh, if you may recall, we launched the, the six-second ads, bumper ads, mm -hmm. a couple of years ago. And it was interesting because we were quite concerned at that time, actually, about what the reaction from the creative community would be. But it turns out you know, creatives love constraints, and so they really embrace that format and have done very clever things with it. And one of the things that, that they had asked us about was essentially the ability to look faster at if they already have a long-form creative. You know, how could they look at what might be possible? How could they play with what might be possible? And Bumper Machine really generates tremendous permutation off of their longer-form video which can lead to, I think, sort of better ideation and also you know, ultimately potential for, for more video creative if folks don't have budget or time or other things available. Uh, you know, it's, it's a bill, it's a related concept, I think, to Director Mix, which uh, was launched a little bit over a year ago mm -hmm. and also has the ability to basically make automated customization of a big idea. So, for example, uh, Ford in Germany just launched hundreds of spots around their core campaign tailored to which dealer, which location, and then things like the weather, the date, et cetera, that make these ads more relevant, right? And, and we know relevant ads off of, you know, no matter how great the ad is, making them more relevant typically is generating roughly three times the interest from people who are watching, and, and that's what you want. So I'm excited about both of those things. And I think the, the last thing that, I, I don't know if I'd call it a tool as much as I don't know, an opportunity. Uh, <laughs> but, but video ad sequencing is something that we are seeing creatives really lean into on YouTube in terms of the ability to be able to know based on what someone has watched from the campaign to date, where should you direct them next, right? So if they didn't watch the original long form, you, know, you might serve it up again, whereas if they did, you might you know, give them a, a teaser reminder in a six second form, you might send them to content on your website. There's a lot of different ways to play with that so that the user experience is more compelling. And I think the, the creatives love that sort of choose your own adventure uh, way to approach the business. Okay, so it's a bit like reinventing retargeting for good and for, for purpose <laughs> then, you know, for, for good purpose, which, which sounds great. Um, okay, and then Bumper Machine, um, are you going to like set up awards? Because that sounds like it's, you know, it's your own format, it's your own idea? Is that something that you could perhaps do, you know? It, it's interesting. We've talked about it. And you mm -hmm. might remember we have showcased uh, mm -hmm. six-second ads yep. in multiple places, including Cannes. One of the things that's most interesting is people ask us all the time, like, which format's best? Which one should I do? And while there's some guidelines about depending what kind of moment someone's in, you know, what device they're watching on, are they in the living room or on their, on their mobile phone? 
for the most part, you always want to use a mix in an effective campaign. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think it's unlikely that we, you know, never say never, but, but I think we would be more committed to looking at the efficacy of the YouTube campaigns overall okay. than any one particular format. Yeah. So what about, so you talk about relevance. So, so the other aspect of that is, I guess, the targeting side of things and fi finding the right audience, right? So, you know, we hear a lot uh, from the likes of Google around right person, right place, right time, right moment, you know, right, you know, there's probably a dozen different things. So what's new in that sort of targeting space in terms of finding the right audience in, in sort of combination with the right format? And then also if you're talking about sort of multiple versions, maybe hundreds or 10,000 versions of, of a creative execution. So how's, how's it going to work in terms of matching, you know, that needle in a haystack creative of a given format with that needle in a haystack audience member to really, really optimize the outcome. And what, I mean, we're not there yet, but you know, how are we approaching that? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Well, there, there's a lot in that question. So stepping back to the beginning, in the case of demographics versus sort of really understanding mm -hmm. more of a person's intention, which I think is at the heart of what Google and YouTube deliver for creatives, for advertisers, for agencies. One of the things is we have consistently seen those campaigns outperform by a lot. And mm -hmm. so I think that has driven greater interest, greater adoption, and just it has a higher place, I think, in people's sort of mind share and behavior. So that's one big change. I think another big change is building off of, uh, you might recall, people have been asking us forever to essentially be able to mix across Google, right? So that I can understand someone's search intention and use that to make the ad relevant for them on YouTube. Yeah. And I think once we've gone, and, and it took us a long time because we had to be able to do it in a, a privacy safe way. But once we were able to, you know, with the recent launch of that capability, we have seen people, again, really get creative about understanding like, what, where people are in their customer journey, why they're doing what they're doing, and making their, their spots more relevant for that. Um, I think to your last question, which is, but wait, what about when there's 1,200 and how do you match them? I, I think that's where also some of the work that we have done around tools and process mm -hmm. is making a real difference, right? So Director Mix, as an example, not only lets you customize the creative, but it will match it automatically to the most relevant audience. You know, and I think to your point, uh, because there is still so much that's being done on, on demo alone, particularly in the television world, mm -hmm. um, you know, as we see, even that world has started to push harder and harder and harder to move people to audiences. Yeah. Uh, I think we're seeing this become more and more mainstream. 
Um, we're going to do a slight pivot now to a, a different <laughs> topic, just to keep everyone on their toes. Got to stay awake. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fight the jet lag. Um, what are your thoughts on uh, voice advertising and particularly where that's going? Ah. So it's interesting. Uh, typically, when people ask about voice advertising, they mean the assistant, whether yep. it's Alexa or Google Home or whomever. Um, I, I would say one thing I think about that, that I would encourage others to think about is that voice search is a major portion of yep. the searches that exist today. And mm -hmm. so uh, there's a lot to be learned from that because there's much more scale in that business. Mm -hmm. And then also when you think about things that you might do on a Google Home, thinking about how you sort of tie into the voice activated experience across everything that we do is a way to get greater efficacy for your effort. A couple of things, interesting things that we see, particularly around either search or the, the home, uh, you know, voice search is much more action oriented. Yep. And so people are really you know, able to, to take action off of what they are voice activating. I think though, that part is in some ways easy, right? Or easier. Mm -hmm. Brands think of a use case or a need or a place that they can help and what someone would be asking for and then they try to match it. Mm. What becomes much more difficult is how you make that scalable on an ongoing basis, right? How do you get someone to come back to your voice activated application again and again and again? How do you make them aware of it in the first place? You can almost think of it sort of like content, right? It has all yeah. the same challenges. And so I guess the, the two things I'd encourage folks to look at are one, how do you think about sort of an integrated ongoing strategy for bringing people back? It's not, so it's not just a one-time search or, or activation. And second, how do you think across the entire canvas of what's available to you as far as media, inclusive of, search, of voice, rather than thinking of voice as its own separate thing? Yeah, so there's a really interesting opinion I heard the other day, which is that um, brands are going to have to start thinking about how to get consumers saying their brand out loud. It's not just about being top of mind anymore. It's about getting people to actually use the words because then they can ask for that specifically using voice, which is quite an interesting point of view, I thought. Yeah. It is interesting. I mean, I think that's a slightly different use case, right? Yeah. Because branded search, for the most part, does still happen more outside the realm of of voice, but that may change over time. Yeah. You, you sort of talked about this canvas, and, and I like that way of thinking because if we think about the media world, it's not only Google that marketers have to think about. So you know, you've talked in the past about competition being a good thing, and, and, and you, know, you definitely encourage that on, in an advertising innovation space. So do you want to elaborate a little bit on that, sort of where you know, all these cool things that Google's doing, particularly with, you know, with search and YouTube, fit into the bigger picture for a, for a marketer to be thinking about? Well, there are many places where we feel intense competition. <laughs> and I think that is fantastic for the ecosystem. Uh, I think the place where I was specifically saying that I think it's good for Google is actually in the video space. Okay. Because one of the things that's interesting, everybody's very excited about over the top. But one of the things that I would focus you on is 75% of the viewership of over the top is happening through four companies, right? It's through YouTube. Hulu, Netflix, and Amazon. And two of those companies don't currently have ads. And so while it's terrific that YouTube is the number one ad-supported OTT platform, there's only so much. We can't soak up mm -hmm. all of the inventory that actually exists out there. And yeah. so in encouraging people to move more proactively into digital, you know, we, are, we would do better as an industry, but also for us to have more folks who offered the same kind of high quality, easy to buy, results uh -huh. delivering media. 
Uh, and I think you see a number of people actively pursuing right. that, so I, I have no doubt we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so competition is, yep. is good. Let's spend a few minutes just talking about things that I know you're interested in, which uh, include diversity and inclusion. Um, we at Kantar actually did a piece of research called Getting Gender Right, and it showed there's a massive gap between marketers who think they're doing a really good job on gender portrayals and advertising and consumers who don't think they're doing a good job at all. So um, what's your view on that, and what role do publishers like Google have to play in, in that debate? Well, I think that's fascinating because I, I'm a very data-driven person, and I think the data sort of says crystal clear that we're not doing a good job. I think there was something, mm. a stat that said, you know, women control something like 90% of the purchasing power, and 30% think that they are portrayed accurately in, in, mm. in ads or media. Yep. Um, so I'm intrigued at uh, who thinks we are getting it right. But, <laughs> but I, listen, I will say this. I think what we are getting right as, as an industry is I think the dialogue and the focus on what isn't working and what we need to do to be better is mm. there, which is terrific. I think we've made a lot of progress and momentum, and maybe that's what they mean, in mm. the last several years. And I will mm. say, you know, Google as a marketer spends a ton of time focused on making sure we are getting that right. Mm. Our, our CMO tells a story about how um, she has repeatedly pushed our partners to say, we have to get this right, we have yep. to show the diverse range of how women show up. And that there, one of the stories that makes me laugh is uh, there was one that was about uh, this, this husband who was taking care of his kids and he was doing the whole, all the household work and it was all of this stuff and it was great. Right up to the end when it turned out that the reason that was happening was that his wife was off at the hospital having a baby. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. she was like, no, no, not having a baby, business trip. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Yep. And so, so I think uh, you know, we see a lot of marketers like us who are putting in that same effort and attention, so I do think we are doing better. I think the other thing that's pretty cool is um, seeing some of the industry efforts and, and part of where publishers play a role. I think some of the efforts like See Her um, and other places where Google is, is helping to use technology to look at, at scale, mm. you know, how are women or, or any uh, diverse population really being represented and how does that compare to how we want it to be and I think continuing to um, help in showing that light and then uh, working with our brands who are passionately interested in in improving it is uh, the way the way to contribute okay. I think it's, it's, it's an interesting point because I mean we saw you know just last week I think you know the the period in which now in the UK the the advertising regulator has said no stereotypes no gender stereotypes in advertising, yeah. so it was sort of a, a phased-in uh, six-month period, and now it's it's live. Do you sort of see any way that you know Google or other you know platforms could could help advertisers identify when those stereotypes are existing in their ads? I mean, is is there? I'm just trying to think of is there as a a creative tool here in some sense to help, particularly when we're talking about unconscious bias, which right. you know we can keep on sort of trying to train out of people, but it's going to be there. So. Regulators can impact this, but is there something that you could do? Is there a tech solution or well, so, something else? Well, so some of the types of things that we do do are the direction in which I think we would continue to push, right? So we can use technology to view objective things. So you know, how often do women show up? How often mm -hmm. are they speaking? Uh, what length of time are they speaking for? And you can tie those to things about what kinds of roles they're playing. I don't think we would want to be in the position, and I'm intrigued how the UK is planning to roll this, of yeah. being sort of yeah. judge and jury about what is and is not a stereotype. But yeah. to your point, I think helping to work with folks 
who are experts in that area to identify some of the objective criteria mm -hmm. that are more or less likely to direct a spot in one way or the other is a place where we would definitely continue to lean in. Thank you very much for listening to us, everybody. Um, and thank you very much to Tara for being our guest on the podcast. Thanks, thank Tara. you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this. Thank Great you. To meet you. Thank you. to Future Proof. For all episodes and more information, visit uk.cantar.com or oxfordfutureofmarketing.com. Please leave us a rating and a review and subscribe within your podcast app so you know when new episodes are released. Thank you. Thank you.